everybody, it's Kai. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Corner Office Podcast. This week, we've got Sarah Barnett. She's the president of AMC Networks, also AMC Studios. It's the company behind Breaking Bad, Mad Men, The Walking Dead, more recently Killing Eve as well. Some of the most successful television shows in the past 10 years. She's been in the job for a little more than one year, so we sat down the other day to talk about what it's like to run a legacy television network in the era of streaming and her plan to tackle the competition and their very, very big checkbooks. So here it is, my conversation with Sarah Barnett. We're expecting you. Won't you have a seat? Ready to go to work? Sarah Barnett, uh, thanks for coming to the studio. Pleasure. I'm going to start with a very um, subjective question, okay? How do you know when something's going to be good on TV? Oh. Uh, I mean, I guess I believe that everything in the end is subjective. I think we yeah. all back into the rationalizations, but I think everything is really... Our gut knows better than any other part of us, I think, what's good, what's right. You know, I don't think you can make anything through being too only analytical. I mm. think that you, to quote Sheryl Sandberg, which I guess doesn't happen so much these days, <laughs> you have to roll around in the data and then you almost have to forget about it. And I think that... That's what I believe about mm, the creative work that we do. There's obviously all of the business side to it, and you need to be as focused, as analytical, to pull from as many inputs, to have as many insights as you possibly can. But then I think when it, you sort of have to forget about all of that, and you hope that it kind of synthesizes in the back of your brain somewhere. And then I think it's about having a great team who are out there talking to, turning over unlikely rocks mm. to find new and fresh talent. And then I think it is a an undeniable idea, those ideas that you would be jealous if somebody else had, <laughs> and those ideas I, I, that just yeah. create a kind of shiver. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's the execution piece. So the knowing about the idea or the believing you know about an idea is just the beginning. Then there's the, the execution, which is every bit as sort of torturous and exciting and rich and difficult as getting to the place of a genius concept. I saw you described uh, as a curator. Do you buy that? I think it's a bit pretentious, but I probably <laughs> fall back on it because I don't quite know what else to say. I mean, I think that um, my background is, is in marketing, and I think that I bring, without consciously doing it, a sense of brand and a sense of building mm. something that makes sense as a cohesive whole while mm never ever being rigid about what that thing you're building is you always have to be responsive to the changing world the changing audience the changing culture around you if what you're doing is going to resonate um i don't know what a better word is than curator mm -hmm. but i guess what i don't like about that word is it does feel elitist and it can feel pretentious and it can feel based in many of the sort of old canonical truisms mm -hmm. to be more pretentious that <laughs> I am Why not interested that? in repeating. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess it is about selection and it's about putting things together where the combination of things in itself is interesting as well as the individual aspects of it. Let's go farther back than marketing. Your roots are uh, at the BBC in, in news, right? I started out, um, yeah, as a production assistant on the news side in radio. So I feel at home, home in this yeah. studio, even though I haven't been in one for so long. Yeah, I started out working at BBC Radio 4, um, not dissimilar to NPR. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. You know, radio and obviously, I guess, one well, radio and podcasts are sort of the mm -hmm. same thing. I love that people have come back to 
audio storytelling, audio communication, because I think that the ability to, I mean, people say all sorts of things, again, sounds sort of overused about, um, you know, the pictures are better in radio and all those things Mm -hmm. that we all grew up hearing. But there is something about the intimacy of it. And there's something about the ability of radio to um, be incredibly immersive because it worms its way immediately into the center of you and your brain. And it becomes, I think, about you connect in quite a pure way with the ideas, whatever they are, you know, whether it's light or rich or intellectual or just stupid and entertaining. I think mm-hmm. you just connect with it in such an immediate way. And to me, that's, and I think for most humans, that's joyful. So do you ever look around now running a television network and being responsible for things like Killing Eve and Better Call Saul and say, wow, how did I get here? Totally. <laughs> I mean, I never, it's funny, I I actually grew up in a family where America was very beloved and um, adored and I had various uh, people in my family uncles and aunts who lived in America and various people who wanted to live in America. And I never really did, not because I was anti-America, but just because I, I don't know, I, I, I was really interested and engaged in living in London and being in England and whatever. But um, yeah, so I sort of came here almost sort of casually, meant to stay for two years and still here and <laughs> things happened. But I certainly never would have dreamed as a kid that I would be living in New York, in L.A. every couple of weeks, running a bunch of TV networks and running a studio. Um, And, you know, in those times when I talk to particularly young women who are coming into um, decision-making time, you know, I'm asked to speak to various Mm -hmm. different groups. There's no real one way, I think, to talk about any kind of recipe um, for how to live a life. I certainly had to plot a career. For me, it was really, I think, about um, quelling the neurosis by being open to whatever might come along and not assuming that I knew and had an attachment to a really rigid sense of where my life might go, what my career might be, but to be truly led by what was interesting, what felt exciting. Again, I guess it's that shiver of sort of knowing when something just feels exciting. And that certainly doesn't mean that everything was a right decision or everything was always enjoyable or, you know, it's always always a twisty-turny path. Um, But, yeah, I love what I do and I feel remarkably grateful. I I hear that about, you know, the twisty-turny path. But um, to that shiver and loving what you do and to the the meat of, uh, of what it is that you do, are these interesting times to be in television good times or challenging times all of the above i mean for sure and and lots more it is it has never been more wildly thrilling it's never been more massively anxious making it's Mm. never been more confounding to um to plot a path but i think the only way to come at it and i think that the that the remarkable nature of now in many ways, not just in TV, in many ways, is the sort of thrill of opening yourself up to just having sea legs, just knowing that whatever might have worked previously and whatever ways you thought you knew things may not be right. And so I think that I guess what Buddhists would call beginner's mind around anything whether it's our politics today, whether it's what we think about 
how culture should be and television, I think that that all you can do is find your own grounding in it. And I think there's something actually really fantastic about being reminded to do that and realizing that that's the place you have to find and come back to in order to really have any connection with something that might give you some assurance about what the next step should be. And the other thing to say, which is enormous, is surrounding yourself with people who, you know, who are brilliant and who compliment you and who and who make you laugh and who open your mind and who challenge you. I mean, that's crucial. It always has been, but I think more than ever. I, um, huh. I don't want to get into the what's it like being a female executive in this economy today and, and all of that because I'm That's sure you get a whole other no I know and, weekend and, and, of discussion. And, and, and I'm sure you get those conversations all the time but but I this question will be seen as gendered and I apologize for that both to you and to the listeners but I'm genuinely curious you are expressing more uncertainty uh, to me now in this interview than many a CEO have ever dared to and I just I find that really interesting. Yeah. Uh, It's impossible not to have a gendered um, explanation, I think, there. Although I will say, you know, a couple of things. Technically, I'm not a CEO. I'm a president of various bits of my organization. The CEO of AMC Networks, who is a guy called Josh Sapin, is... Who says very nice things about you. I mean, It's it's mutual. Uh, And the nice thing I'm about to say is he's a man who I think will express also some vulnerability and some incredibly sophisticatedly expressed um, anxiety and um, what to me is a, is a, a, a confident ability to say, mm. yeah, you don't always know. You know, having said that, I, I would say that within his and I hope my expressions of doubt, I believe lies the strength to succeed. I believe that's why at AMC Networks we always have been successful. And I believe it's why... At times like now when conventional wisdom might say you have to be enormous to survive, mm-hmm. it's why I believe AMC has always come out the other side of moments of disruption stronger. Um, I think it's because we don't follow conventional wisdom and we do chart our own course. And that is done in a way that is, I think, rich and interesting. Let me end with something you said early on about um, when I asked you how you know something's going to be good. And you said that thing, which I totally resonate with about a sense of professional jealousy that you hadn't thought of it. Um, what are you jealous about right now? Mm. Succession. <laughs> I mean, it has to be said. Succession is, I think, genius. And it's the kind of show that at AMC Networks, along with, you know, the Better Call Saul's, the Killing Eves, and the State of the Union, and the, um, you know, obviously Mad Men and Breaking Bad, and Lodge 49 recently, and a ton of yeah. other things. I mean, there's a legacy, right? That you, oh, man, you there's, such a, there's such yeah. a rich legacy in the brands and shows that we have on AMC Networks. You think about the last decade of television without AMC Networks, it would mm-hmm. have been denuded in ways which would be, mm-hmm. frankly, pretty terrible for the work. And I look forward to the next decade with, you know, as much ambition and optimism. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things, I don't know if I'm jealous. I'm not jealous of the big checkbooks that people have. I wouldn't <laughs> say that, um, of course, you know, I'm sure NPR knows this. Well, uh, you know, money money can be very helpful. And, and we all need enough money to do what we need to do in our businesses. Um, but I don't think that sort of unfettered resource is ever great for the creative process. 
And I That's really interesting when streaming services are spending a gajillion dollars. As you said, they're nodding and pursing your lips. It's it sure really, is. Yeah. It really is interesting. And I think that massive scale and producing things on an industrial level is really interesting for yeah. the end product. And I think that a world where there are, you know, the speculation would suggest somewhere between sort of four to eight big companies, conglomerates making television with global audiences. Right. Um, I think that risk gets squeezed out of that. I think algorithms optimize for popularity and what's already working. And I think that we're what, what I'm interested in and what my team is interested in at AMC Networks is really looking for those things that aren't already proven. You know, Phoebe Waller-Bridge before Fleabag mm-hmm. had launched and Vince Gilligan before he'd showrun a show and many, many other examples. So... So I'm not jealous of the big checkbooks, although I'd be foolish to say at times it wouldn't be nice to have a little more money. Um, but really, I, th- I actually think that money can prevent people from doing the other work. And the other work is the thing in the end that is crucial. And I guess what I'm curious and fascinated about is more experimentation with the kinds of stories we tell as audiences habits are changing. And as people are spending less time with shows, you know, the old days of a show getting to five seasons or Mm. 10 seasons seems to be something that's shifting. But I do think that there are very many different ways to play with form and format. And we're doing a lot of that at AMC Networks. Mm. I am so excited about speaking of those shows that give Mm -hmm. you a shiver. Mm -hmm. Um, And you would be jealous of if someone else had it. It's a show called Kevin Can F Himself. I saw that. The idea is, starts out, it's a classic sitcom, multicam, audience laughter. Kevin, he's a bit of a jerk, sitting in his chair. His wife, Alison, seems to be smarter, sharper than him, but she kind of indulges him, rolls her eyes, leaves the room. You pick her up the other side of the door into the kitchen. It's a single camera drama. She is mad as hell and mm. she wants to kill Kevin. So it's sort of about the uh, the rage of the sitcom wife when she leaves the confines of the sitcom. And the show goes back and forth between the mm. three camera sitcom and then Alison's life outside of that, which is the dramatic story. So they're the kinds of things that I'm really excited about developing and green lighting and bringing to life um, and I think that over the next couple of years um, thinking about how our studio our brands our platforms and new platforms can put content in front of people that is connected to really rich brands um, and plays with the different ways that people are watching today I think it's really mm. exciting and terrifying too a little bit um, you know, I think you just have to kind of acknowledge that everything's terrifying and that's sort of okay. You know, it's we're never going to eradicate that feeling of it might not work. And you sort of have to have a bit of that. But I've become quite used to living with it might not work and, and being okay with that. Sarah Barnett, she's the president of um, AMC Networks. Sarah, thanks a lot. Thank you. Sarah Barnett, president of AMC Networks, also AMC Studios. Subscribe if you would leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. The Corner Office podcast is produced by Bridget Bodner. Bennett Purser did this episode. Marketplace on the radio is produced by Nancy Fargali. Satar Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager. I'm Kai Rizdal. Another episode for you coming soon. <laughs>